So um, welcome back to City on the Edge. I'm uh, I'm Ty Bannerman. With me is Nora Hickey and Mike Smith. Hello. Today we are joined by a journalist and author Rachel Sign. You got it. Yes, and we are extremely excited about this. This is so Um, cool. Mike, why don't you go ahead and kind of introduce and? Well, Rachel is a freelance writer. And mm-hmm. um, she knows more about herself than I do, so she can she can uh, a- add to this. But she sure. has written for like so many awesome publications, from the New Yorker to um, you've written the New f- York Times. Oh yeah, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> G- GQ, wow. um, New York Times Magazine. Sure, I mean, it was just like an, it was a very long list. Was what Grantland? I Grantland? Yeah, when it was still around. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's some really good stuff. And you've got a you've got a book deal coming up for a pretty exciting project, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm writing a book about Hollywood in the 1930s. Oh, great topic. Yeah. Oh, man. But most uh, importantly for us, you're from Albuquerque. And <laughs> yep, written, I'm from Albuquerque. You've written about Albuquerque as well. Yeah, I love Albuquerque. I'm really glad to be back right now. Yay. That's awesome. So yeah. um, you live uh, your day-to-day life in New York, right? Yes, and my so, day-to-day life is in Brooklyn. And this is your uh, your dream vacations are to Albuquerque, is that right? Well, I'm actually back right now because I'm planning my wedding. Oh, congratulations. Oh, yeah, I'm, no g- I'm getting married here in August in Albuquerque. Oh, wow, fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, at Los Poblanos at the Lavender Farm. Oh, it's going to be really pretty. I love that place. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. great. And I'm bringing a, just a bunch of New Yorkers to New Mexico for the first time. Awesome. For it, which That's is going to be really funny. Probably good for our economy. Yeah. Tell them not to gentrify anything while they're here. Oh, I'm going to tell them to buy everything. No. They're going to I'm sure they're just all going to go to feelings. old town and spend too much money on like knickknacks. That's great. That's really cool. That's so, cool. so um kind of Mike has been talking about uh, getting an interview with you for a good long time. Um well, mainly, every, well, go ahead. She wrote that you wrote this amazing article on Breaking Bad and its connection to Albuquerque. And I, when I read that, I just felt like such recognition of like, yes, this is why this <laughs> show has appeal to people that live here. Like it's something like that finally recognizes something really like essential in our nature here. You know, mm. that we live with this uh, duality of violence and natural beauty and like uh, just it, it, you capture so much of that so well, it, and um, I just really, I really love that. And like immediately Thank was you. like, I'm gonna follow this person on Twitter, and like, <laughs> can't believe like someone from here is like writing these high profile pieces that like <laughs> uh, pay attention to this stuff. Or the New Yorker, yeah. Well, the New Yorker. I feel like that was what the piece was about, which is that yeah. New Mexicans never feel like they get recognition from other people. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, in the so rest of the country, you feel sort of outside. Right. Of the rest of the country, it's true. Yeah, you. Yeah, I've seen you like tweet before that like people don't realize how like how, just how different you feel walking around in like New York, coming from a place like Albuquerque. Yeah, and they think it's people. because uh, you come from maybe they think in their mind when you say, "Oh, I feel different because I'm New Mexico." Maybe you're from like a rural place right. or something, but it's totally not that. It's like the mentality in New Mexico is one that is predominantly multicultural, and mm. I think people don't understand that that can make you feel attuned to the world in a totally different way than coming up on the East Coast or something like that, where the 
so everything is sort of tilted towards old school white American culture. You know? Yeah. It is different here. It really is. Yeah, but in a in a beautiful, wonderful way. I mean, you know, and I think also you have a sense of expansiveness because of the wilderness and the way the desert sort of like rolls out forever and yeah, you just feel I don't know, space. It's awesome. Did you (laughs) want to write about Albuquerque like right away after you moved or did it take a little while? I mean I think I was it well, okay. So my my journey, just to sort of like put it out there, is I always wanted to leave New Mexico when I was little. Like I have I've written a bunch of times about this, about how, like, as a child, I thought that nothing was more boring than living in New Mexico. I, my grandparents were from New York, and originally, though they were living in Albuquerque, but they would talk about New York in this reverential way, like it was the most glamorous, beautiful place on earth. When I went there for the first time, I felt a shock of recognition in that way that people feel home. I felt that in New York, but I hadn't felt it in Albuquerque. Like, I'd always felt alien to this place. Just so much, mostly because I was like obsessed with the theater and literature and journalism, and I thought all those things were headquartered elsewhere, and then I was like anathema to this place, right? But then when I went to, so then I went to college in California, which was its own kind of thing because I thought that would feel very New Mexican because it's still West, but it's totally different too. And then New York, and in both places, California and New York, but especially in New York, I've felt so much more New Mexican than I ever did when I lived here. Interesting. And I felt, and I feel so much more love for this place mm. having been away from it. And I adore New Mexico now. That's and I awesome. sort of, in a lot of ways, I every time I'm back, I'm like, should I move back? Like I have that immediate feeling of maybe this is where I'm supposed to end up, which I never thought I would feel mm. when I was younger. Because I think it just like gets into you. So when you, to answer your question about writing about it, it's like, I didn't feel like I had a choice because it started to sort of occupy my mind in a really um, sort of urgent way at a certain point. That's great. I just felt like re-communing with it. You're like James Joyce going to Italy and getting obsessed <laughs> with Ireland. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, cool. that's really cool. Yeah. Well, um, would you want to read a part of this uh, this this piece you wrote? Sure. Um, do you want me to start from you, the you can beginning? Read whatever you want. You can read an excerpt. You could read the whole thing. We wouldn't stop you. But, uh, yeah. Well, maybe a, a quick little um, kind of summary of what, it, what the whole piece yeah, is. I can, yeah, yeah and, then I'll, and then I'll do a summary, and then I can read from it and just sort of stop after a certain point. But Cool. Um, so when I was first starting to write for The New Yorker about five years ago, um, they asked me what I wanted to write about, and I said, uh, and this was for, for the website, sort of responding to quick cultural things, and I said, oh... Breaking Bad, and it, be- it it became clear to me that I wanted to write it about it from the perspective of a person from New Mexico watching it and watching the fervor for it around the country, nice. having been from there. Because here's the thing, um, Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad, didn't in- intend to set it in New Mexico. I think he originally wanted to set it in uh, Calif- California, California. Yeah. and ended up getting this sweet, sweet tax break that New Mexico gives um, filmmakers. And I think it's still happening, though. I think Susanna Martinez has made it harder and exactly. harder to film here. True. She's been a disaster in so many ways. Oh, man. So many ways. Um, <laughs> go yeah. whoever the other candidate yeah. is. Wait, who's Michelle the, Lewin. Yeah, Michelle. Yeah, yeah. 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 Definitely go Michelle. Definitely not Steve Pierce. Um, 
but yeah, so I, I, and I felt like um, setting it in New Mexico was an accident, but then it ended up defining and shaping that entire show. And it became one of the most sort of beautiful and also sort of harrowing sort of descriptions of this place and depictions of this place that I'd ever seen translated to the screen. And I think what's interesting is that it was a true cultural phenomenon outside of here. So we would have Breaking Bad parties in New Mexico. Like at my house, I was like doing the thing where I would make New Mexican food and margaritas for everyone. They would come over and watch Breaking Bad. Wow. And everybody thought that it was really cool and we're really into the plot line. But I was like, oh, there's my elementary school. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, <laughs> oh, the doghouse. Like... That's where we get hot dogs. Um, Sal's tacos. No one actually eats there. So it's like, (laughs) no, people do. People do. Um, But it was just funny because I would see the locations and and feel not just the shock of recognition, but a sense that um, we were finally being tossed into the national conversation, Mm -hmm. but for something that was as sort of, well, controversial as... Right. The meth trade, and and of a show about violence and sort of this ho- horrible uh, villain of a man that emerges out of this chemistry right. teacher, and I felt like grateful for it at the same time because people were finally talking about New Mexico, and I had a way to explain to people where I was from. Like e- e- people that are from New Mexico and then were living outside of here when Breaking Bad came on. We're so excited to be able to have a visual <laughs> reference to tell people like, oh, this is what it looks like. You don't have to just imagine the surface of the moon Amazing. or like Mexico. Like you've been to Puerto Vallarta, not the same place. Like people, yeah, I mean, it's so funny. I mean, people would be like, is it like Arizona? Like do you have the Grand Canyon there? Or is it like Utah? Like do you ski? And I'm like, yeah, you ski, but we don't really have, like, you know, and you try to describe it to people and you're like, it's mountainous and it's at 11,000 feet and everybody, and it's really hard to breathe if you're not from here, but you know, there's still deciduous forest. And, and so I thought just like having the pictures to show people was really great, but I was then wrestling with what it said about our state. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, you know, people from Baltimore were not super psyched about the wire. They thought that was a, I mean, it was a, pretty accurate, I think, depiction of certain parts of Baltimore that David Simon wrote, but I also think it didn't shed the like most beautiful light on Baltimore as a sure, city. Yeah. Whereas I think I t- heard a lot more New Mexicans being super psyched about the depiction of Breaking Bad, even though it was the same idea. They were just like, oh my God, finally someone showed New Mexico. <laughs> um, so that's what I wanted to write about uh, in terms of just being from here and watching the show and watching other people watch the show and thinking about how hard it has been to capture New Mexico for people who aren't here. So it was a sort of piece about that. Um, So I can just read a little of it. Does that work for you guys? That would be great. Okay. Uh, I'll just start from the beginning. So it's called Walter White's Hometown. Driving around Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I grew up, you see Breaking Bad pilgrims everywhere. Now, you have to remember, this was written in 2013, when they were still Breaking Bad pilgrims everywhere. Oh, they're still here. It's still a big part of the tourist industry, I feel. I know. I still see, like, like, you know, I'm the one who who knocks T-shirts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, then, fine. This still works. (laughs) (laughs) Driving around Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I grew up, you see Breaking Bad pilgrims everywhere. They descend from tour buses and trolleys to snap pictures of Walter White's house and possibly toss a pizza on the roof for an extra fee. They visit the city in search of Jesse Pinkman's RV and the wide cinematic landscapes from the show. Debbie Ball, a local confectioner known as the Candy Lady, who has a shop of the same name, has made a small fortune selling dime bags of blue rock candy meant to evoke Heisenberg's meth formulation. 
They just don't stop coming, she told me. Suddenly, they're all here. It took a long time to get people to Albuquerque, but not for the locals' lack of trying. 150 years ago, before Walter White, another would-be empire building, Franz Hooning, set down roots in Albuquerque and erected a squat terracotta fortress called La Glorieta, now the city's oldest standing residence. Hooning, a general store magnate, bought 700 acres from Franciscan friars during the Civil War and set about building his dream house, a sprawling adobe hacienda under the open sky. Passing through town in 1885 on an extended break from Boston, the Harper's reporter Sylvester Baxter found himself enchanted by the estate. The resulting article he wrote presented New Mexico, then just a lowly territory, as a travel destination. The gardens along the Rio Grande strike unspeakably joyous notes of color, he wrote. I had no idea there could be so much character to the humble adobe. Much of literature about New Mexico is about having no idea what it is actually like. New Mexico wouldn't see another booster so zealous until Hooning's granddaughter, Erna Ferguson, an adventuress in linen pants who was raised between La Glorieta's mud walls and the society circles of Washington and who studied history at Columbia University before returning to New Mexico in 1913 on the heels of statehood. Ferguson put on a Stetson hat and a concho belt and immersed herself in the secret Kiva dances of Pueblo cultures. She launched a side business showcasing Native American life to those who passed through the region, sometimes against their will. When the war ended, I began to dude wrangle, she wrote in a memoir. I dragged tourists all over New Mexico to see Indians and Indian ceremonials. They blamed me bitterly for almost everything, but some of them liked it and came again. She served camp travelers ice cantaloupe in overheated rancho houses and told them that her Hopi name was Shika Wanim, beautiful swift fox. She claimed to be a very fast runner. In the late 1920s, Alfred Knopf, on a hunch, contracted Ferguson to write Dancing Gods, a guide to indigenous rituals that became a slight national phenomenon. The rest of the country, as it turned out, was also magnetically drawn to the alien rock piles rising from vastness and to native peoples who danced around flames. They, too, had no idea. Early on, New Mexico's allure was its exoticism, a patch of America that didn't feel American. It was wild, distant, dusty, unruly, potentially pagan, polyglot, a frontier on the very edge of society. An 1871 Times editorial that staunchly argued against statehood said the territory was the heart of our worst civilization, a theme that Walter White would later fully embody. Growing up in New Mexico, I was brought up first on the border of the Navajo Reservation in rural Gallup to the west, and then at the foot of the Sandia Tramway in Albuquerque. It's easy to feel that you live on the margins of the country's consciousness. We New Mexicans are, in many ways, car-bound consumers crawling over the landscape and its resources like other Americans with the strip malls and super Walmarts and SUVs to prove it. And yet the state is a flurry of contrasts. The impoverished schools on the reservation struggle while bright scientific minds arrive in Los Alamos to split atoms. The sunsets are rosy or blood orange or sometimes a shocking lavender. The night is pitch black, punctuated only by Cassiopeia. This palpable strangeness, this juxtaposition of extreme mountainous beauty with a noir dull flatness is a, always the big surprise to newcomers. Upon arriving in Taos, all Georgia O'Heave could think to say was, well, 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 no one told me it was like this. And then it goes on from there. So could you tell us a little bit more about kind of like your personal family history? As, yeah, as, how, how in did New your, Mexico. Yes. I'm happy to. Thanks for reading that. Of course. So um, let's see. We, are, we have been here, we're not one of those families that goes back many, many generations, but at least two. So mm. on my mom's side, my grandparents were the first to come to New Mexico. Um, like I said, they were from New York, New York Jews, and uh, we have a kind of interesting reason why we kind of ended up coming out west, which was that my grandfather 
um, his father was a man called Harold Phillips, who was a really interesting character in New York. He was the head of the Manhattan Chess Association for 40 years. Nice. He played chess with Bobby Fischer wow. and Marcel Duchamp and a bunch of other people. Um, he was a grand, he was a grandmaster in chess, but he was also a litigator and a defense attorney. And he happened to be on the uh, team that defended Julius and Ethel Rosenberg in the 1950s. And because of that, I know, I know it's getting, it's getting real New York (laughs) because of that. My family was somewhat put in a blacklist McCarthy situation at, at that time. Yeah. You know, just sort of, uh, leftist. Jewish lawyers defending the Rosenbergs. So my grandfather at that time was just coming out of Columbia Law School and he wanted to work for the government, I believe, as a tax lawyer. And because of everything going on, that didn't happen, but he did get a job uh, working for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, I believe, and went out to Nebraska and then New Mexico and then was a a lawyer here Hmm. for many, many years and, and they stayed in New Mexico. On the other side, it was a, my dad's side, it was, um, I think, either my grandparents or great-grandparents, I think it was my grandparents, were also the first ones to come here. Um, Maybe it was a great-grandparents. I know they were English originally, and I think it was a missionary situation that brought them out to Hmm. the West um, to sort of, you know, as as many Western people (laughs) come to the West to do missionary work. Um, And... That was an interesting thing because my grandfather on that side, my my dad's dad was a pediatrician and he had a clinic downtown and he was one of, in the 1950s and 60s, I think he was one of the only pediatricians in town. And so it's so funny. When I was little, um, I think a lot of the people have kind of passed on, but when I was little, so many people would come up to me and be say that my grandfather was their doctor because it was really only a sort of a one-stop shop in town. I mean, you look at the picture. Albuquerque has changed so much so quickly. I mean, even the pictures of from the 1940s and 50s up through the sort of 60s when my, yeah, I guess in the 1950s was when both sets of grandparents were sort of Mm. coming here. There was nothing. I mean, there was, you know, Mm. they were living at like the far end of Albuquerque, which was like, you know, uh, Manal or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy, and then it was just empty. So I think, yeah, I mean, we go back, and then my parents um, both grew up here, obviously, but didn't know each other growing up. My dad went to Highland High School. My mom went to, I think, Sandia High or maybe El Dorado. I think it was Sandia. Hmm. And um, they both went away for college and then came back here and met in med school here in New Mexico. Hmm. And so... You know, and then they went away and then came back. I think New Mexico has this kind of magnetic pull for people in my family, but particularly my parents. Um, and my brother lives here now. Uh, he went away too and then came back. And so it's kind of, my family is somehow suctioned to this place. It's one of those places, land of entrapment, it's a name that gets thrown around a bunch. Yeah. It just you back. You know, yeah, do you times. feel entrapped? I always come back. Well, in a good way. I love this place. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's cool to always be pulled back here, like mm-hmm. to, ha- to have a, a square one to return to. Yeah. You know? I feel drawn back now more yeah. than ever. Yeah. I like it. That's great. Wow, that's a deep history <laughs> and, and tied up with some big stories. That's really yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's... um. That's cool. So when you when you grew up here, what what's you went to academy? Yeah, and, yeah. So I went to Bandelier Elementary yeah, School, and then I went nice. to the academy. Yeah. Nice. That's um, what what has uh, what has stayed with you from from Albuquerque when you when you uh, are elsewhere? Oh my gosh, so many things. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's the attitude. I think there's a strange 
sort of laid backness here in New Mexico. It's different than a Californian laid backness. I mean, I know a lot of people that are from LA or the Bay Area and they have a lot more, I don't know, they're kind of chill, but spacey. It's a different, I think the New Mexico vibe is much more kind of like, it's a laid back, but it's also like an adventurous spirit. Mm. It's a lot more like, I, I'd like to say it's like, you know, everyone has a lifetime membership to REI or something, but it's not. So it's like it's like a love of the outdoors, but again, not in like, it's so hard to pinpoint. I feel like yeah. New Mexico is still so hard to talk about because it's not like Colorado yeah. where everyone has like an Algene bottle. Right. And right. it's not like Utah where everyone skis and it's not like Arizona where, you know, people carry right. machine room guns. Um, well. I mean, even though a lot of people do have them here, right. but uh, it's different. I mean, I think it's like, it, first of all, it's a curiosity about cultures that are different from your own because I think the, one of the things that I tell people that really shocks them is that I, you know, was taught Spanish at a really young age. There was like a bilingual situation and I cool. feel, feel like that was really something that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And also we had to take, I think our entire seventh grade year was just purely Native American history. That's great. Wow. I think the education's gotten worse here. Oh, gosh. Um, But I, and you know, and and I took like seven elementary school field trips to the Indian Cultural Center and to see dances and to understand those cultures and to go to the Pueblos. We, and my parents too encouraged that. I mean, we were constantly going on to see, you know, Bandelier and, um, you know, the, and Tent Rocks and the Petroglyphs and all these places that were kind of, you know, an education in deep history. I mean, that's the other thing. You get a sense when you live in New Mexico of not just history, like American history. Mm-hmm. It's not, you're not growing up thinking that like America began and ended with like the colonies. Right, you know, you get right. a sense it goes way back, way farther way than that. Back. And almost to, you get like a sense of Cretaceous history. Yeah. You're seeing these giant yuccas that look like dinosaur plants and oh, you're like. going to the Natural History Museum and they're, and they're telling you like, this was, this was where they roamed, you know? And so yeah. you feel this like, really deep connection to history in the past, oh, which is that. why I think, I mean, I know two of you at least are like historians, you know, and I think that New Mexico breeds historians because you're constantly, and you too, and you're <laughs> three of you maybe, and so you're constantly thinking about and talking about the past and tradition and, you know, that sort of interesting and amazing things that can happen when many cultures are brought together in the same place, Yeah, yeah. you know? I think people that are Sense. say, "Oh, I was I was brought up in New York." A lot of my friends that were brought up in New York feel like they have the most progressive politics because they're like, "I was brought up in New York, where it's a melting pot, and you're constantly mm. on the subway with other people, and this and that, and everyone else from America can't understand." And I'm like, "I understand. I'm from New Mexico. Totally. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're yeah. tossed together all the time with the confluence of cultures. It's just yeah. part of your existence." I don't know if you, if you saw Thor Ragnarok. Yes. I enjoyed that. Um, but I like the idea of, of a place being not just the place, but the people. And, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I feel like Albuquerque is really like that. Everyone that leaves here is kind of, they bring it with them, and they extend the boundaries of it. And, and it's and it, uh, it just, it, it, it's so much more an ideology and, like, just a mentality and an attitude toward the world. I know, absolutely agree. I feel like yeah. every time you meet a fellow New Mexican, it's this weird bond that feels deeper than when my oh, people nice. meet someone else. It's like, nice. my boyfriend is from Pennsylvania, and it's not like he meets other people from Pennsylvania. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Yeah, woo, PA Pride. I mean, sometimes like he 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 lived in Pittsburgh for a while, and people from Pittsburgh have that kind of tribalism. Oh, but nice. but it's not like it's yeah. not the same. I feel like yeah. some people. It's like when I meet somebody else that not even just from Albuquerque, but yeah. anywhere in New Mexico, we can just like 
talk for an hour about New Mexico. Yeah. You know, it's something that feels really innate to who we are. Yeah. yeah. That is nice. That's and cool. for the, the Breaking yeah. Bad New Yorker piece, did you, I love that you brought in the history of like Hewning and then, you know, Erna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big did context you, in that. I love it. How did that yeah. happen? Or were you just thinking about what does Breaking Bad mean? I mean, both. Of, I'm always yeah. thinking about historical <laughs> context as I'm, I'm sure you guys do too. It's like, I love to like go back and find the story underneath the story. Totally. Like if if there's a chance for me to do like a deep dive into a weird archive, like I'll do it. Nice. So yeah. And I mean with New Mexico, I think it's a really interesting history because obviously there's a history of you know, colonialism and violence here too. And oh, it's I mean a, a terrible one. And so yeah. you have to look at it and you have to look at women like Erna Ferguson, who did a great deal, uh, you know, of promotion mm-hmm. for New Mexico and the rest of the country, but did it on the backs of sort of like Native American exoticism and tourism, which is yeah. just, you know, also sort of a, a terrible service to that community. Yeah. Um, and you have to look at those things in the face and say that's how we come to the modern conception of New Mexico. It's all these people that came here from the outside, and then they go back and they report on it as if they've been to the moon. Right. Whereas yeah. people who are from here don't often get, don't always get enough chance to speak about their That's experience, true. you know, which is why, I don't know, I've been really excited lately because there's been, I mean, not necessarily New Mexican, but there's been a real influx and sort of like excitement around Native literature, mm. like Tommy oh, yeah. Orange and yeah, yeah. and um, and the Heartberries and all those um, stories. And I, I feel like I'm really excited for what that's going to mean for New Mexico, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's a really good thing. I, I think it's a re- it's really exciting to watch people that have not had a voice for a long time finally start having a chance to say their their part and yeah. what their perspective is. So, and that feels kind of like New Mexico on the national landscape. Before coming here as a Wisconsinite, I feel my conception was very... Yeah, what was your conception before coming here? I'd be interested... Oh, you got it. Oh, in in general? Right. I can push it away. Right. You're good, you're good, you're good. <laughs> no, this is perfect. Perfect. It was, that's a really, it was, um, it was definitely arid. I feel like I thought of the, the environment first of, as you said, the sort of, it felt like, oh, this is sort of preserved, um, Crustacean? That's not it. What was? What's Cretaceous. the word? Cretaceous. <laughs> Jurassic. <Triassic>. Jurassic. <laughs> I love crustaceans too. There's not that many here. Um, but well, like shrimp, the oceanic snails. variety. Are snails crustaceans? I don't no. know. Are they? No, no they're mollusks. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is not a science right. podcast, although I believe Obviously. in science and support it. Um, but yeah, it, I felt like, oh, I'm going back to this land preserved, like mm-hmm. land before time, oh, kind yeah. of. Um, and I had it. I hadn't visited it before I came to visit UNM. Yeah. And it felt very. It felt very friendly in a unique way. In a way that I was like, oh, everyone seems really authentically friendly, or something like just. Yeah. Just nice, and also totally. Totally, it had a bizarreness to it that I liked, um, which was that I could get on the bus and go from, you know, UNM to downtown and meet different people. And everyone was like talking to me. Mm. And I felt really, it, I remember describing it as Goldilocks because I visited George Mason mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C. and then like rural New Hampshire. And it felt like this 
place that was more, um, it wasn't full of itself or something, which I liked, yeah. But really my impression of it was, I was like, oh, the West is open, flat, dry, hot. I don't know anything about the people. Some of that's accurate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> in parts. It totally. I mean, I think yeah. it's, I think people, yeah, they, it's so funny because like I said before we started recording, I'm, I'm in town right now to plan my wedding and I'm getting married here for many reasons, um, mostly because New York is cost prohibitive to get married in, but also because it's just so beautiful and mostly because my friends from New York are dying to come to New Mexico. Oh, neat. Because they all have this idea of what it's like, but they've never been, but they think it's going to be really cool. It's so funny. I think New Mexico has that old um, sort of reputation for being health-inducing, like the sanitariums out here and people would come to cure their TB and all this stuff was happening. And I think it still sort of has a holdover in that everybody from the East thinks that coming to New Mexico is going to be curative in some Mm. way Mm -hmm. or it's going to be healthful. And um, so they all think about like, oh gosh, going to the desert and like being (laughs) out there in my airstream and the crystals and the winds and I'm going to get, I'm going to get healed, whatever that means. So a lot of people have this fantasy about New Mexico. And I think is what's funny is that a lot of people have a lot of fantasies about various places, but I don't think the fantasy about New Mexico is altogether wrong. I think that there is something about this place that makes me feel healthy. Mm. I think you're right. And yeah. renewed and closer to the land and closer to spiritual consciousness. I think there's all that here. I think it's a really special place for that. But I also think it's really overblown and misunderstood outside of here. Well said. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, I, I, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people, yeah. I feel like we in Albuquerque at least don't almost kind of forget that it does have that potential because I feel like there's so much crime right now or there's so much, yeah. you know, like there's, there's a lot of negativity, I feel like, from Albuquerqueans about Albuquerque. Yeah, we reject right the myth now. a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, we, we like people here. Like, we don't want to be Santa Fe. You know, we're like, right. th- th- there's there is a little attitude about that. Right, about Santa me. Fe feels like the tourist Fantasia right. on New Mexican like, themes that's or fake. something. We're, mm-hmm. we're real. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, totally. And it's and Albuquerque was, was always like thought of as like the grittier, more authentic, more. Yeah. 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 Hardcore New Mexico experience. Santa yeah. Fe is an amusement park. Yeah. Epcot Center version of New Mexico or totally. something. I remember visiting yeah. my brother when he lived in uh, Michigan once, and there was a commercial on TV for coming to New Mexico, and it was like some guy who like quits his job and goes to Santa Fe and walks around and has a great time, and it was just the weirdest thing to see that from like, <laughs> like I know a bunch of people that live in Santa Fe and work at like you know Exxon stations or it's something. Totally. <laughs> I think people do have that idea though that New Mexico is someplace they could retire right. to or sort of like leave their life behind and, and reinvent themselves as some kind of like drifter here. Right, right. Well, oh, you can be a drifter here. I mean, that's the other thing. I feel like I've totally messed up because I didn't understand how cool New Mexico would have been to be live, live in as an adult. Mm. And I know, and it's the kind of place where I think you can have like a pretty real life because, I mean, it's one of the last places in the country that's like, extremely affordable to live in. I know the wages aren't great either, but I think, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really, people are struggling here, but I think there is a sense that people do live a little more relaxed and easier life. I feel like people have real lives. I, 
you know? Yeah. It feels like people do a lot of things for fun. It's nice to pay $300 for rent or whatever. Yeah, yeah. for, like, and I know, I was, <laughs> and I was looking at, I, like, constantly am, like, taking yeah. pictures of, of signs for, like, what things cost and then sending yeah. them to my friends in New York. <laughs> and I was looking at these, like, new lofts that were getting built, and they were, like, one bedroom with, like, t- like washer, dryer, tons of amenities, like, seven fifty. dollars It feels so expensive to the people here. And yes. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. That wouldn't get me a shoebox. It's Here's two that. different total realities, right? Like right. The New York and yeah. New Mexico thing. That said, Both it is really knew. hard to make it here, and moving away makes sense on a lot of levels. I mean, a lot, most of the bands I know that have made it yeah. have been bands that have relocated at some point or like, another or what, toured extensively. the Shins extensively. or something? Yeah, the Shins or North America was another yeah. one that made it and was on, like, All Tomorrow's parties list like the bands that really put the work in on doing work elsewhere because like it's it's not like you know I, m- I remember reading Patti Smith's memoir Just Kids and like you know her first show she gets a record deal she's like uh, not good enough her second show she gets a better one and takes it and it's like changes her life forever here like bands play for 20 years mm-hmm. and they never get any recognition and it's really hard to make it here sometimes it's it's a it's not that kind of a place. It's yeah. a place that's more about the process, I think, than the results, which is cool, too. That's, well, yeah, that's, and it's a different kind of living. Right. I mean, yeah. I think that's really, really good for some people. Yeah. And I think other, you know, I think that that's what's... I've been kind of excited in a way to see that New Mexico has a few more things, or Albuquerque especially has a few mm-hmm. more things going on that feel a little more cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just some new stores that have opened that feel really L.A., really cool. Interesting. So it does feel more... Yeah. It's, like, happening it's more. Happening. I mean, I huh. think that I... You know, when I was growing up, we didn't even have Uptown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uptown was like a when I was in college revolution, and then it was like, whoa, we have an Apple store. What? We've come into it. <laughs> Amazing. We're, 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 we've really made it. But, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's definitely changed a lot even since I was little in terms of, like, hmm. the ability to sort of stay or leave. Hmm. I think that that's why I really felt like I had to leave. I didn't feel like Albuquerque had an option for me hmm. as a really ambitious person. Nice. To, but I'm not. I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. Like sometimes I wonder if that, like, led me astray or something. Like just sort of throwing Albuquerque to the side. I mean, I was really against New Mexico again. Like I, I can't say this enough. But when I was younger, I really like talked a lot of shit about it. I thought it was like totally boring and backcountry and this interview is over yeah no and and you know i would go other i mean like i'm telling you i would like go other places for like summer camp and i would be like uh do i tell people i'm from new mexico does that make me boring does that make me you know what i mean i i felt like oh until i live in a big city i'm nobody and now i look back and i'm like you were so wrong because you lived in one of the most beautiful places possible and never appreciated it. I mean, that's the other thing. I think once you leave New Mexico, um, the thing you ache for the most is the beauty. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. And the openness, too. I remember I moved to Boston for a while, and I just remember feeling so closed in. I started biting my nails. I just felt like, you know, I was like indoors even when I was outside. You ache for the beauty and the food. Yeah. Oh, the green chili, yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. smell in the air and yeah. the sunsets and just what it feels like yeah. to be here. And it's yeah. like there's nothing in the world like it. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. I think, if anything, like we have an advantage being from here. Like it's it's a different beginning. I mean, think of like all the literary short stories we've read, like set in Boston or New York or someplace where like we're expected to just like recognize all these street names when they're mentioned or something. You know, we have like a completely unique origin being from here. It's a you know? it's a, actually been a blessing because yeah. I feel like the older I get, the more I talk about New Mexico and people are fascinated that don't live hmm. here. I think it's like, you know, anyone listening who, you know, if you're thinking about going somewhere and 
you'd, you'd be probably the most interesting person in the room simply mm. by saying the words New Mexico. I think it's it really happens to me a lot. A lot of people are really curious as to what it's like, um, how my family got there, uh, how I got out. I mean, it's it's like people are fascinated in a way that if someone's like, I'm from Maryland, no one's like, right, cool, right. what's that? Yeah. What's the deal with you that? You and some you other know? people. Um, yeah. It really feels special like a like a like a part of my personality um and I also think yeah I just think there's something like you said and I think that the other thing is like it's really an artistic place I think we don't talk about that enough I'm sure you guys do on the show but like so many good writers are from here and then come here to live I mean yeah not just George R.R. Martin there are many more right right um Robert Creeley lived here briefly yeah, uh-huh. so many. Oh yeah. my gosh, tons. Yeah. Uh-huh. What, what are you? Uh, what are you writing these days? You're working on a book. I'm, yeah. ri- I'm working on this book about Hollywood in the 1930s, which is not about New Mexico, but it has some feelings about the West in it. In a lot of ways, I, I have a dream of a book I want to write about New Mexico um, that I one day really hope to do. Um, Come back on our show when you write it. Maybe my next yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm doing I'm doing some freelance pieces and um, I'm writing something right now for the New Yorker and I'm writing something for the Times and I'm sort of like just going around and finishing some stuff up. Um, yeah, I mean, awesome. That part of my job is really fun and probably couldn't be done here, though. Right. Increasingly, I'm sure there's. I mean, I don't know. You yeah. guys are the writers here. Is there well, a lot of options to write in New Mexico? There's a few, but they... You yeah. Know, it's the internet, difficult. really. You just got to put it out there. Right. On, on and, you can, and you can write from anywhere in a lot of ways, but new, I think it's, you know, to it's hard, though. Yeah. break in from here. Yeah. That's, but then it's like there's all these yeah. great writing colonies, and there's Taos and all this, and I have that a couple of writer yeah. friends who are really... Um, who have come here and uh, just to work and they find it really generative, yeah. you know, oh, I can see or that. every yeah. now and then I'll see a writer on, on Twitter. Like I think that really amazing writer, Carmen Maria Machado is like in New Mexico for mm. a month, just like writing. And um, yeah. So I think people still come here for inspiration. I just don't know that they're here for that. As they should. Yeah. It's, it, it is inspiring. It's like, it's really wonderful. I think like just to have the desert that close, that immediate, I could, really kind of care less about the city some days but like just having the desert so close by is so rad you know the mountains on one side the volcanoes the bosque like just all, all of that it's fantastic well and i don't think uh, there's enough good writing about the desert yeah i mean I there's there's yeah. some um and the, and i love reading it but yeah. i think it's a literature that should could totally explode I and agree. i think people are much more interested yeah. in it than they used to be i mean i think like the great writing about New York has been done, but I really don't know. Hmm. I mean, I, maybe what would you guys consider to be like the quintessential Albuquerque novel? Man, I really love this book, Typical Pigs by Stephen Usherman. Have you ever heard of this? No. It's so great. There's an, also a novel called Leave Her to Heaven that I think was turned into a movie that in the 40s. That one's really like well-known for this area. Um, there are a few. Edward Abbey wrote um, The Monkey Wrench Gang, which mm-hmm. is half set in Albuquerque mm-hmm. and half set on Lake Powell. And, and um, that has some really great descriptions of the city's, city in the 70s. Oh, cool. And just like driving around and what that was like to like be cruising in a lowrider. And in, in that time, it's super neat. Um, what else? Can you guys think of All any? All I can think of yeah. is your book, Mike. Oh, well, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> okay, so we're uh, now in the uh, the casual chat portion of the podcast. Let's Just, do it. Uh, Let's chat right. casually. All right. Um, when you come back to Albuquerque, what do you like to do? What what what, what do you hit? Okay, so New Mexican food, obviously, but that's I know it's really highly contested as to where to go. Where do you go? Think so, carefully. I know. Gosh, is this gonna like? <laughs> no pressure. Is this gonna be my? <laughs> 
proving ground. Um, well, I go to this place that I like a lot that is only open for lunch called Richards. It's in a strip mall. Uh, yeah, yeah. Huh. My mother's a huge fan of Richards. I've I love been Richards. There many because, because, Richards. Yeah. because, okay, so it's, it's on Carlisle in the freeway kind of. Over by the American right. Home Furnishings. Yes. Oh, okay. It's yeah. Furniture Row. And it's in the strip mall, but it's so good. And it's one of the only places that you can get fideos, which is like the New Mexican spaghetti. Mm. It's like spaghetti and red chili sauce. It sounds oh. like weird, but it's really delicious. Um, but also, like, I like... I'm trying to think. I mean, I like El Patio. That is good. Reliably good. Reliably good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's, like, a bunch of really good taco trucks. True. Um, I don't know. I I like. I mean, I just like to get a stuffies. Oh yeah, or golden too. pride. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. How about okay. you guys? I got a quick question. Yeah. Mm. Sadie's, yay or nay? So okay, I was like a maybe a nay on Sadie's for a while, but I have to say the like the jars of chili sauce really hold up, and I've taken a bunch of Sadie's yeah. back to New York with me, and it, it hits the spot when you're like homesick. True story. True story. But yeah. but yeah. what are you guys generally nay on this no, podcast? No, Sadie's is great. I like Sadie's. I, love I, have, I guess I that makes me the only one with taste in, in this group, but, you know, I, no, I, I, don't, I don't particularly I'll tell like you, Sadie's. like, I'm a nay on Los Cuates. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm a nay on Little Anita's. Good Lord. Actually, uh. Little Anita's is... They own Los Cuates now. Oh, yeah. oh so I'm a, I'm a nay on the on the on the juggernaut the, that is the, the Los Cuates Little Anita's yeah. complex. And However, I'll tell you another thing about. Um, I'm a sort of nay on Garduño's. Oh, yeah, you yeah. should be yeah. nay on Garduño's. That's goodbye. Yeah. I'm big time, I'm yeah. kind of into yeah. El Pinto though, even though it's kind oh, of touristy. Okay, yeah. I enjoy yeah, yeah. it. I feel like like they had a thing a few years ago yeah. where they were like, we're going back to the original recipes, and I think it improved. Yeah. I think it was better. So also, Ty and I um, got to drink or we were for some of the first people to drink never hung over which was invented, he did this amazing was it invented right. by the el pinto people or by like a prominent new mexican family? it was it was yeah. the one new mexico oh, the Maloof. yeah yeah and it the was Maloof this, dynasty yeah yeah you know you're new mexico that's yeah. great yeah, of course if you <laughs> drink it before a crazy night out there was no effects they also what told you it? we cure lupus right Does yeah it, so that was is the it thing. just like a prairie oyster <laughs> it was a little little uh, bottle of uh, something, <laughs> and it said never hung over, and the idea was you would drink it before you went out for a bender, and then you would never be hung over, right? Um, and okay, like maybe maybe that could work. Um, reviews were mixed, but then we went to this event, Nora and I, and we, we hung out with Phil Maloof and talked to him, and then he introduced us to the guy who invented it, and he told us it would also cure lupus. And at that point, it was like, yeah, cool, no. cool, cool story, cool. And um, you were way hung over the next day, right? It didn't work. Yes. At all. <laughs> well, then I can guarantee it doesn't cure lupus. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, also, like, amazingly enough, in the last ten years, I feel like New Mexico has been like one of the best places in the entire country to eat Vietnamese food. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. We have a great Vietnamese scene. Yeah. Here for sure. So that I like kind yeah. of like miss banh mi when I'm not here. Like really good banh mi, and everyone's yeah. like, "Why do you want to go back to New Mexico for that?" And I'm like, "You have no idea. Yeah. It's re- little Vietnam is happening." Totally. So seriously, compared to New York, I mean, we have some good banh mi. I'm just saying, yeah. like, yeah, it's true. We it's were pretty one of the good first here. Sanctuary cities. Yeah. We yeah, were. it's pretty good yeah. here. Um, I'm trying to think. Wait, what is among this podcast? Like, what's the consensus about the best New Mexican place? I'm a. I I go for what's close to me. So Monroe's or Garcia's, hmm. and Garcia's is the cheaper, kind of greasier, bigger yeah. portions version. Yeah. Monroe's, I think Monroe's is the best quality. Oh really? For yeah. me. 
the owner always sits down and like plays games with my kids. I can't stand it. I'm like, stop it. Just because we come that here sometimes. That sounds nice. Well, I'm just like, I, I just, it's like too much. I just like, I don't like that kind of like forced intimacy every time I go to. Go no, to there's eat. a pizza restaurant yeah, in my like, neighborhood called uh, Polly G's, yeah. and the guy Polly G who owns it will just like come and sit at your table every time. And it's uh, like at a certain point, you're like, I'm okay. here with my friends. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've done it. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Loyola's. Wow. Uh, Okay, cool. Really? Interesting. They got that yeah. gun mural next to him. I don't like that. They have the gun. It's not their gun mural. Well, it's though. there. It's the most like family oriented. <laughs> like they, we've been going there for a long time, and yeah. uh, they've watched my kids grow up and stuff. That's so nice. there's definitely some That's bias nice. there in that. Like they've always been super sweet to us. Yeah. But I think they're. Um, like their their uh, the Rianos and everything's pretty it's for, top notch. I mean, Walt it's really hard. Video. It's really hard in a lot of ways. Like I'm like even bad New Mexican food is still kind of good. True. It's hard you? if you if you smother anything in enough cheese and chili, right. it's going to taste good. Yeah. Um, oh, and Cecilia's. Have you been to Cecilia's? No. Is okay. that downtown? Oh, it's downtown. It's like it's like the it's like yeah. next to the movie theater, yeah. sort of right. Right. Or, or around well, the corner, kind of. It's on uh, like Seventh Street. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. But uh, they do have the hottest red chili I've ever oh, had in my nice. life. Um, so it's worth it's worth good. checking out for that. I love La Placita in Old Town with the tree growing through the roof. That That's place. nice too. I know and it's I, touristy, and but when that you're is good at, food. I mean, and if you go up to Santa Fe, then there's some places I like. Like I, I yeah. really do like the shed, and I like. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. What's their other one? It's like always crowded. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think Las Cruces honestly wins New Mexican food in the state. Every time I go there, I think that's like, insane. There's like five amazing insane. Mexican restaurants, New Mexican restaurants in Las Cruces. I can believe Chope's, that they're good by the I think Chope's in La Mesa, south of Las Cruces, is the best restaurant in the state. Chope's? It's, um, it's so good. El Rancho de Chimayo? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, of course, Chimayo yeah. red chili is so good. Okay. I get a lot of, I mean, so in terms of getting New Mexican food in New York, doesn't happen. That's yeah. the other thing. Mm. Like, I feel like that's one of the other things that, I, I feel like someone should write about this one day, which mm. is that, like, most places have managed to export their best foods. That's like, true. If you're in New York, it's never going to taste as good as if you're in the South, but you can get good fried chicken, and yeah. you can get, you know, um, really, really good grits and macaroni and cheese and Southern food mm. and barbecue. Well, I mean, it's never going to be as good, again, as right. if you walk into, you know, a Austin joint or something like that, but you can get it, and you can get gravy. Or you can get, like, really good sort of, like, Pacific salmon, like, over. And you can even get, like... But New Mexican food somehow has never made the transition outside of the state effectively. People have tried. Yeah. My, uh... So I I mentioned I lived in New York a while back. So, um, in... This is 1994, mind you. And there was a place on the west side called, uh, like, Santa Fe express or I'm something sure. crazy like that. <laughs> and it was like authentic New Mexican food featuring nacho pizza. It's <laughs> just like, no. No. That's not, think, that doesn't work. I think it's because the green chili is really hard to, really expensive to export. <laughs> I have a ton of Chimayo red chili that I keep in my freezer. That, I love it. Just the powder. And I, I will make yeah. red chili, I'll make carne adobada a few times a year. Oh, nice. Um, and try to like bring it around. But I had this idea when I was sort of like, in this period of my life where I was like, am I going to keep writing or not? What should I do next? Like I, I was like thinking about alternative life paths and the Brooklyn um, flea market had just started this thing called Smorgasburg, which hmm. is like this m- food market in Williamsburg where like it's really popular and like thousands of people come on the weekends. And I was like, I'm going to start a cart there. That's mm-hmm. just stuff. So he is. 
That's and so I good. was going to call That's it Hatch, really and it was going to be really amazing. I like cool. came up with a whole business plan, and then I was like, no, I can't do this. Because it turns out getting <laughs> all the stuff from New Mexico is so expensive, which is why nobody has done oh. it. Oh, damn it. But I think it would have been a craze. I've yeah. always wondered that, too. Every time I've moved away, I've always just had, like, some pathetic scene where I'm wandering through some neighborhood where I heard there was a place that had green chili. I'm just, like, looking for that food. And yeah, yeah a, every place never, thinks, they, thinks they have a green chili chicken or yeah. green chili cheeseburger, but it's really just, like, the canned right. bueno or, chili. Or, or yeah. worse, pickled jalapenos or something like that. And you're like, this is not what I want. I this know. is not what I need. So I found uh, out that the, um, uh, the Anaheim pepper... Yeah. It's actually it's it's a destroyed green chili. It's been it has all the fla- flavor bred out of it, but it is actually the same species as a green so chili. So people use that for green chili as a substitute. They do. That's what they did in East Texas anyway. Uh, it's the worst. And then you're like you try to explain to people you're like the flavor's off. They're like how it sort of tastes like a pepper. You're like that's not the thing, man. Mm-hmm. It's got to be smokier and it's got to be like spicier and it has mm-hmm. to have this grassy flavor and people don't understand. But yeah, that's I get I into a lot of like trying to explain what New Mexican food is. and I feel like breakfast burritos here are the best. So good. Yeah, so good. That I will say the like best breakfast burritos are just like random ones you can get at Balloon Fiesta Park. That's true too. Oh, or just Twisters nice. or yeah. Federico's yeah. or oh wherever. God, They're all amazing. Yeah, Blakes. Golden Pride. I we like, could get yeah, into exactly. a breakfast burrito debate the, too. The one problem with Golden Pride is they're owned by the Frontier, which is owned by like a really like... Uh, anti-choice family that donates a lot of money to like a bunch of right-wing stuff. Oh my god, I had no idea. Yeah, I've been eating Frontier cinnamon rolls well, forever. I'll have to don't see. stop because they're amazing. But like, I mean, it, it's, it's just like a thing that complicates the story. You know? Oh man, <laughs> Ty, cinnamon like, roll eating. No, it's it's just a bummer. But but um. I remember once I was in line at the post office behind the owner of the Frontier, and some guy came up to her and was like, hey, give me a job, give me a job. She's like, I'm in the post office. And he's like, come on. She's like, go to the store and apply there or whatever. I felt some sympathy for her. But then when you hear that stuff, that it's just nasty. It's like, you know, that like... Uh, so, like, it's ironic, too, because, so, like, UNM is this, like, pretty liberal institution, and the students are liberal, and they're, like, you know, putting their money toward these people. But... but um, I tried to write an article about that once for the Daily Lobo, and I got called into the office by the business manager and was told, like, don't ever write anything negative about our biggest advertiser ever. Like, wow. the end. Censorship in yeah. action. <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, I bet this sort of things don't happen with USA Today and oil companies. Like, you know, like, of course they do. I'm sure they do. they do. Of course they do. It's crazy. New I Mexico mean, corruption. Yeah. It I mean, I, I, I'm interested here. in that. I, yeah. Have you guys done a show on, like, old school New Mexico, like, dynasty corruption? It would be don't a hard one to write. Don't want to get into trouble. Don't want to do the, Dude, the hard, co- the the hard copy version yeah. of the show. We're going to end up with like a chupacabra head on our doorstep. Yeah. In your I, bed. In our, yeah. I used the, to write, the thing is we have nothing to lose. So we, we have no reason not to do that. It's just... Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to get killed. You know. I used to write this column called My Strange New Mexico, and it was all weird folklore and history from around the state. And one time, I, not, not just one time, a, a few times I would get these messages like, the mayor is laundering drug cartel money through the generically titled liquor stores on Central Avenue. And I'm like, that's great, but do I really want to cover this, like, cartel story? Like, I, I mean, you, at, at, some, at those points, you have to ask yourself, like, how much do I care about this story? Like, do I really want to, like, have my kids murdered in front of me or, like, no, be killed I myself? No. I think the answer is totally no. <laughs> yeah, I just, um, you know, it, it, I, I do want to, like, you know, highlight injustice and all those things but yeah it's 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 crazy do you guys have any other yeah 
New Mexico questions. Like, Let's see. I want to know. Yeah. What do you? What do you, you have a tattoo of New Mexico? I don't. Will you get one? <laughs> I I've thought about it a lot of times in the past. I thought I just wanted the outline of the state, but then it was like just a square. Yeah. <laughs> With like a little ladder on the bottom. <laughs> And then I was like, maybe I get a... But then, you know, you don't want to get a Zia symbol because that's not really mine to get. Right. And then you're like, well, maybe I'll get like a, you know, some like... Never happened, like a right. Georgia O'Keeffe. Like a, mm, yeah. I mean, That'd I've nice. actually written a couple articles about Georgia that, that I'm... But no, no oh. tattoo. That's cool. I didn't know. That's, I love Georgia. Where have you written about her for? Uh, I just did one last year that yeah. for the New Republic because her, oh, cool. her clothing exhibition came on tour to Brooklyn. So I wrote a big Whoa. piece about... Her um, self reinvention in New Mexico. Oh, that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. You know, can I look it up online. Totally. Can we read all of your stuff online? You can. RachelSime.com. Nice. Yes. So you I know, think that's a good. You're a really good writer. Like that's thank one of the you. reasons I wanted to meet you. It's lovely to say thank you so much. Well. <laughs> um. Okay, so New Mexico versus yeah. New York, both the two best states with new in the name. New Jersey has no contest here. Yeah. New Hampshire doesn't even write. Let's be real. And who wants a second one? (laughs) (laughs) They have nice leaves in the fall. Um, I mean, they're so difficult to compare. That's the other thing. It's like they're completely opposites. Like, I feel like people are like, California and New York are opposites. I'm like, no, LA is just New York in a different place. Like, they're really opposites. Um, I mean, where did you go to school in California, by the way? uh, Stanford. Okay, cool. Mentally, they're different. But I would say I think that each per, people from each place should go to the other place. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I'm constantly telling people from New York to come to New Mexico, and I keep telling my family and other people they should just spend some time in New York because I think they sort of fulfilled two really essential parts of a person. Mm. Like I'm really glad I've from I've had time now almost equal time in both places because I feel like really like my equilibrium is really like starting to balance out. Um, but I'd say, okay, I'd say this. Like, I think that the touristy things in New Mexico are underrated because I think they're never too touristy. Like, I think everyone should just, like, even if you've lived here for 10 years, you should just take the tram. Right. Totally. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 And also terrifying. The it's other time, the last time. time I went on it, like, someone pointed out the plane crashed to me. Yes. And then I, yeah. I was so freaked out by it. Yeah. yeah. It was like creepy and Major haunting. Major crash, yeah. yeah. It's kind of, yeah. Yeah, a recent episode was about that. I'm going to listen to it and yeah. scare myself. Yeah. Oh, nice. And then, yeah, like even, yeah, just like going to the um, Hispanic Cultural Center, going yeah. to the, yeah, to the museums and, and all that. I've been like becoming like much more into that. Like I'm like, every nice. time I come back, I'm like, Good. I want to do one thing. I want to go to Old Town or I want to like walk on the Rio Grande and go to the Nature Preserve. And then I, I think, like, the other thing I'd say is um, read more New Mexico literature. Yes. Yeah. Have an awareness of where you are. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I've been into getting it. back into it, and yeah. I've been trying to read a lot more history about New yeah. Mexico. Um, I'm reading uh, Edge of Taos Desert by Mabel Dodge oh, right now. so good. So good. I'm yeah. obsessed with her. Um, and I've been reading a lot Super of her diaries, and I've read, like, two biographies of her recently. I've gone on, like, a crazy Mabel Dodge turn. Um there's a there's a wealth of material there. That is she's so she's an amazing interesting. Topic. And again, a, a person who person. came from New York to New Mexico. Yeah. Right. She and Georgia made the opposite journey that I made. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, read a lot more history. Try to understand where you're from. 
because it is one of those places that has been the breeding ground for so many beautiful ideas and words and reflections. So that's what I'd say. That's great. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much. For being Thank on you show. for having me, City on the Seriously. Edge. Yay! Oh.